Hey guys, it's me, Lance. And while I have you here listening to our show, I wanted to take a second and reach out to all the people out there that are thinking about starting their own show, starting their own podcast. When we started this thing back in February of 2019, we were really trying to figure out which platform we needed to go with. Well, in about 30 seconds after searching, we've stumbled upon Anchor. And since February of 2019, we have not looked back because, guys, it's pretty simple. With the quality that they provide, the accessibility that the platform provides, along with the fact that it's absolutely free, while you could potentially be making money doing it, it was pretty easy for us. And I think it'd be easy for you as well. So do me a favor. If you're thinking about starting your own show, you're thinking about starting your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I promise you guys, you won't regret it. Previously on The Spoken. This is going to be a very uh, popular topic throughout this offseason as long as it lasts. And it's because of the simple fact that two very prolific names are going, and I say this very confidently, are going to be on the market this offseason. And those two names are one, Thomas Brady, who I did I did look on the break. Um, he actually was not cremated after the game. Uh, they are keeping him alive uh oh, yeah okay. he's he's on the yeah, yeah so, so he's, he's still there. So he should be he should be okay for another season if he wants to continue um <laughs> tom brady and philip rivers i do a hundred percent believe will not be with their current teams this time next season and i want to start with tom brady because obviously he's the more important name in this entire thing he's a more popular player the more established player um he it was it two days ago, I believe. He posted that on Instagram, you know, the big old long drawn out thing. And the first thing I wrote, I shared it on the spoken uh, podcast page and on the on the Twitter account. All I simply said was he gone. And everybody's like, no, this means that he's definitely coming back. Read what he's saying. And I did numerous times. And I kept coming to the same conclusion. He's gone. Oh. And this is the reason why. For a person who is established and is great and is undisputed in New England and in Patriot history, you don't reflect the way that he did. And furthermore, the fact that he didn't even mention the team by name or that he will be back at Gillette Stadium next season, he did not mention anything of that nature. And he, hold on, and he, he reflected, he said, thank you to all the fans. Name me a single time that Tom Brady, before this offseason, has ever done that. Last year? No, he did not. He thanked everybody for supporting them in the championship, and they're going to do it again the next season. Go look at it again. I went look at it. LFG. Let's fucking go. That's his little cute saying. The year before that? He never once said, go go read the, I have the quote right here from this one. He never once mentions the Patriots. He says things like, I have been blessed to have a career I love. He's reflecting all the teammates who go to battle with me, an organization that believed in me, believed in me, and fans who have been behind me. He's Everything is past tense. He's not talking about the future when it comes to him and the Patriots. And everything lines up so perfectly for this to be the end for him in New England. Reason being, he is not under contract. Not only that, he's not a restricted free agent, which means that he can go wherever he wants. They cannot have any say. Or they cannot have anything to do with what he decides to do. 
On the other side that not everyone wants to talk about or hasn't talked about is the fact that Bill Belichick has been wanting to move off Brady for years now. He wanted to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. The only thing that kept that from happening is Robert Robert Kraft. Kraft. Now, obviously, Robert Kraft is going to want to keep Tom Brady because he is his meal ticket. Robert Kraft is in love with Tom Brady, maybe maybe literally. And he wants to keep him around as long as possible. I I think this might sound fucking stupid. It probably is. But to me, Robert Kraft, I think, would prefer to keep Tom Brady than Bill Belichick. I actually agree with you. Yeah. But see, this is the this is the problem, though, is that, that Bill Belichick is still under contract. So unless Robert Kraft has figured to be crazy enough to fire Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick will be back that, next season to coach the Patriots. Please do. Yeah. And that's and that's my point is that if you look at everything, Josh McDaniels will be gone. He will be a coach probably in Cleveland this next season. Their GM is going to be gone. The other coaches, they lost Joe Judge, who supposedly is the next fucking great thing ever, and he's gone. And all these pieces are moving around. Do you honestly think, even if Tom Brady wanted to stay in New England, that he actually would? They would have to rehaul this entire defense and offense just to make it competitive for them to move forward against the Chiefs, Ravens, whoever else decides to mm-hmm. pop their heads up in the AFC next season. And think, think of this. thirty. It'll be 35 years old next year, Julian Edelman. He's the only proven player they'd have on roster next season as far as receivers concerned. So they'd have to rely on unproven commodities like Nikhil Harry and whoever they draft. And they can't draft wide receivers. Bill Belichick is terrible at drafting wide receivers. Okay, so there's unproven pieces around Tom Brady again. Their offensive line is shaky as hell. You don't repair offensive lines like that. You have to go and get guys and establish them for a couple seasons. Tom Brady doesn't have a couple seasons to mess with. Tom Brady, if I'm a betting man, because I don't think he's done, I think Tom Brady does play next season. I've always been of the belief that he was going to play one more year coming into this season. But the way he talks, although he is being reflective, he says he wants to get back at it. He made that clear. He did make that clear that he's not done playing on the Philip Rivers side of things, which is a little bit less exciting. He's super tired. He actually actually (laughs) is four and a half years younger than Tom Brady. So – more than likely, he's, he's going to play. Old. He's going to play. He's 38 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Philip Rivers has never really had, outside of the ACL injury that he had, what, 12, 13 years ago, um, he's never really had any significant injuries. In fact, he's never missed a game in his entire career since he's become a starter in 06, yeah. which is crazy. Oh, yeah. um, Philip Rivers, you watch it, if you watch his parting press conference, I mean, the dude starts like literally crying. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that from him before. He's still clearly got the fire and the itch to play. I think that Philip Rivers is still good enough to be a, a top 15 to 20. Yes, I absolutely believe that. Top 15 to 20 quarterback in this league right now. Yeah. He still is. And I think, and you mentioned the Colts, I think that's where he ends up. Yeah. It makes so, so, so much sense. All the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, Let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. Tuned into the spoken spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios, actually, this time around, uh, with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's going on, everybody? Our guy, Eddie Ortiz, is uh, on the shelf for another week, but I promise you guys he will be back as soon as he possibly can. It feels good to be back, man. It does feel good to be back. And, and you know what, Trevor? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm actually really glad you're here in particular because you, try, you tried to hide from me uh, last week and, and the viewing audience but you, you can't hide this week, and you can't avoid the inevitable confrontation regarding the quote-unquote Brady stays with the Patriots prediction you made back in January. Ah, yeah, yeah. So I, I really want to you know take the time and, and, and thank Trevor for, for making the time to be at our house and uh, and, and record this episode. It was reverse, it was reverse psychology. Was, was that what it was? Yeah, yeah. I, a reverse bullshit. That's wanting, what I'm going to call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so well, I wanted to break up the happen. That's why. We, as always, I know I say it every single week. I'm going to continue to say it. We appreciate every single one of you that have taken the time to be with us this week. Um, I know that it's been a very, very trying time. And that is to say the least for everybody out there, including ourselves. But I know a lot of people out there are in a, a very dire time. And this is a very dire time for our, our country, our society. And we do sympathize with that. And we are here for everybody. And like I said, we continue this show to just contribute any way possible that we can to get your mind off of things for just a little bit of time. And we appreciate you giving us that back because this show also gives us that said uh, a break away from the, the chaos that we have to experience every single day and more so over the last 15, 16 days. But let us begin. We've, we've all heard the term bailout. Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines a bailout as to abandon a harmful or difficult situation. I remember the first time I really began to understand what a bailout really was. It was in 2008 when I would hear my father and the people on the TV screen use it countless times when it came to large companies and them surviving at a time that we knew to be the recession. In my own personal life, throughout my life, there were, there are and have been few consistent bailouts, if you will, that I have used to escape the madness of my daily life. Uh, movies and TV series, is, for one, have always been a go-to. Trev and I have watched countless films and shows together, just as many apart. Uh, social gatherings have been something that, uh, you know, and, and as far as activities in which I have very much enjoyed throughout my life, uh, some of the earliest memories consisted of my family, family friends, and childhood friends visiting or having me over and make memories together. And then there's sports. Ah, uh, yes, what we are all missing and have been missing for over two weeks now. Sports have been an ultimate escape. Since I can remember anything, playing and watching sports was such an ingrained and installed routine for me. I would literally spend my summers waking up, going to the park, field, and court to play pickup games with my friends until the lights came on, only to go straight home and turn on TNT and watch whatever NBA matchup was on. In the fall and winter time, after I pretended to finish my homework or pay attention in Sunday morning church, I'd, I'd be stationed directly in front of the TV anticipating Chiefs football and wouldn't move until Sunday night football signed off. And even then, I'd watch Sports Center highlights of the games I literally just got done watching live. Sports have been the primary focus of my life, and I say that proudly. I love knowing that sports have been such a consistency, uh, consistent in my life, and I know that I'm not in any way alone in that regard. I know for you, the listener, to tune in to us every week tells me that we grew up together even if we have never met, and there is a certain level of comfort within that. We are a community. We are a family. Well, sports as we know it are gone for now. 
And as much as you and I have needed sports, sports now need us. We are living in a very rare time in which we, the normal person, can be the reason why we get back what we love the most in our lives and in routine. Where we can be the reason we see not only our favorite teams and athletes return to what entertains us more than anything else, but also get us back to the place to where we can experience it in person and firsthand. How do we have that much power? By social distancing. By staying clean. By listening to the medical experts. I'm going to say that one again. By listening to the medical experts. By doing what it takes, whatever it takes. Politics aside, because trust me, you don't want to hear any of my thoughts on politics. We as a, as a community, a family of sports fans, have not only a job, not only a responsibility, but also a large say and when and how we get our sports back. And here's the thing. We have the easy job. They, they as in the medical experts, are simply asking us to distance ourselves, keep clean, and stay home as much as possible. Imagine having their jobs. Imagine having to work at hospitals in a time like this. They have the tough job. They have to experience the real and scary challenges every single day. And in, and in no way do I want to make light of the fact that over 3 million Americans currently have now filed for unemployment in the last couple of weeks. But the alternative is really no alternative at all. We have only one choice because the choice was really made for us. We have to decide whether we want to contribute or not. Whether we want to get our sports back sooner or later. Like I said, we are a community. We are a family. And if I know anything about being in a community, I don't like or agree with every opinion thrown out there. And if I know anything about family, we don't always like our family or what our family does. Regardless of any of that, we have to place our differences aside and work through this shit as a community, as a family. Or else we're going to be sitting here sportsless for many months to come. That's not a threat. That's a fucking fact. The choice is yours. And sports have been a bail bailout for our entire lives. Now, sports are asking us to be their bailout. Can you, will you, choose to be there for them like they've been there for us? I'll leave that for you to decide. <clears throat> and we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about our guy, Mike Pinnell, MV Pinnell, coming back to Kansas City to continue the warpath that he created last year on this defense. Is it going to work out the same way? Does he add to hey, what yo. I said last week about being the meat and potatoes type of offseason with the Chiefs? We'll get back to that after this. Hey, yo. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge.
at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Twidwell Studios with my guy, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? There's probably going to be too many Twidwells. The word, the name Twidwell is going to be used way too many times on this show, um, but it's going to be one of those strong things. name. Yeah, you say it enough strong. times, it becomes like that Manchurian candidate yeah. thing where it triggers you like, like a candy man will appear yeah, in the living room. Yeah. yeah, you're like in the aisle at a store in a couple months, and right. you're going to hear the, the Twidwell aisle five, and you're just going to snap. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So be prepared for that part. I'm actually really excited to hear the stories about that, just to let you guys know selfishly. But I apologize in advance for what you're about to experience. We're going to move into this something that I, I – it's so funny how it all worked out. Because last week I touched on a, a segment when – you know trying to give Chiefs fans a realistic expectation of what they're going to see this offseason from the Chiefs. And I, I really still am the, of the belief that you're not going to see a lot. I don't think the Chiefs are going to make a ton of moves in free agency. Biggest reason why, the cap structure right now is not great. I know that it is funny money at the end of the day, but I do believe the Chiefs have some respect for where their money's at right now, so I don't think they're going to be spending a lot of money. Reason two, they don't need to spend a lot of money because they have one of the best teams, if not the best overall roster in the NFL. They're in prime position with Patrick Mahomes not having to make his money. So there's a lot of different things going on with the Chiefs right now money-wise, and it's totally okay that they don't go out and spend. In fact, if they're conservative for once over the last – two years that they've been super aggressive. I'm okay with that as a fan. So I I, I try to get the fans to understand and the listeners to understand that you're going to have these meat and potatoes type of off seasons where you're not going to be getting sexy picks or or sexy acquisitions. You're going to get guys that are filling in roles, maybe even backup roles. That's how it's going to go. Well, that changed a little bit, and and one of my game, my main goals, like I said, for the, this off season was to to set expectations and in, in within reality. And I touched on this off season about the meat and potatoes, but I can't help but be a little bit excited about what took place this week. Um, I may have been a little bit slightly wrong because I do believe that Mike Pinnell embodies all of both excitement and meat and potatoes all in one. Mm-hmm. Bringing Mike Pinnell back is exciting, yet it is clearly a depth move, and it's a depth move and decision. And to me, it only reinstates the narrative that this team is absolutely confident in what they currently have and don't feel it's necessary to overspend on outsourced assets. Pinnell fits the Spags defense perfectly, and being on a prove-it deal with only one-year deal, I don't expect any drop-off from Pinnell's production in 2019's campaign one bit in 2020. In fact, my expectations are going to rise naturally because he has another year in it. And, And coming from an unknown to a fan favorite, Pinnell gives the Chiefs exactly what they need from a player at his magnitude. Skill, charisma, attitude, consistency, Consistency. you name it. No, Pinnell is not going to be a household name. And more likely never will be one. But even the greatest bands of all time like Led Zeppelin that you guys heard at the beginning of this episode that I had to, you know, they all had to have a bass player. One to carry the note in the backdrop is Robert Plant, or in this fact, Patrick Mahomes, if you will, took to the forefront and absorbed the limelight. Does it make the bass player any less important? Absolutely not. They played their part. They contributed in their own way and made hit after hit. Or in Mike Pinnell and Patrick Mahomes' case, they won a Super Bowl. I absolutely love this decision to retain Mike Pinnell. And no, it's not because I played bass on and off for 20 years, Trevor, as you know. It's because I know how to ma- how much of a difference. Take. Yeah, I, I, it might be. I just know how much of a difference he made for this team in 2019 and how much of a difference I anticipate him to make in 2020. Trevor, what are your thoughts on the Mike Pinnell reacquisition. I mean, it only makes sense. And I I don't know if he was getting offers from other teams, which I think he – I thought he was going to get some offers, like, for more money. Uh, so, I'm, I mean, I'm glad. I think he wanted to be here, first and foremost. 
Um, so it's nice to, to bring that piece back, who I think was a vital piece to us, especially our run defense. Um, he's, he, he was filling the gaps well, he was doing his job as well. And I think Spags obviously loves the guy. Um, and he still has a chip on his shoulder. You know, he still has more to prove. This is obviously another sort of like prove it type deal. Um, cause he's still, he's not older, you know, he's not an old guy. He's getting there, but he's not there yet. So he could get another land, another contract somewhere else. If he has a really good year this year. Um, but I like it too on the, on the, on the other side of things. If, you know, if things with Chris Jones do go South, we do end up trading him. Obviously that's a good guy to have around to fill that role, that vital, you know, gap filling run stuffing type of role without if Chris Jones isn't around because we saw him step up in the absences of Chris Jones, like in the Texans game. We saw him play well in that game. Uh, so, I mean, for me, obviously I wanted to keep him around. He was one of the guys I, that was the core guy that I wanted to keep around as a rotational piece and as a possible starter if need be if Chris Jones is not here. Um, so, I mean, like I said, yeah, he's uh, he's obviously loved by the coaching staff. Um, he's a grinder type guy. Uh, I think this defensive line is going to be built up with a lot, a lot of guys like him, You know, guys like Naughty, guys that just go in there and do their job and, you know, uh, don't freelance too much. Uh and that, that's the kind of guys I think Spags likes as far as having a structured system. Yeah. So I, it's, I'm just glad. I'm glad he's here. I'm glad he signed the contract. I'm glad he's here to to prove it once again and, you know, be that good puzzle piece for this defense. You know, you can't help but bring in the the Chris Jones side of this. You, you yeah. can't you can't help it because once once the Chiefs sign somebody on the defensive line, whether it was a guy that was here last year or a guy that's, like I said, outsourced, it's immediately came to my mind. Immediately comes to mind, okay, how does this affect yeah. the inevitable decision with Chris Jones? I think it is going to affect it, but maybe not in the way that a lot of people are anticipating because you, you see the Chiefs sign Mike Pinnell back, you're thinking, okay, that means that they're one step closer to getting rid of Chris Jones. But if you actually look at the fine prints, that actually could be the opposite. Because right. if you look at, like we talked about the prove-it deal, Mike Pinnell is 28 years old. He's in the prime of his career. If you really wanted to, mm-hmm. the Chiefs could say, hey, we'll give you a three-year deal worth you know, $15 million. Shit, if we run it back and get another ring, he's got two rings on his resume. He can go get a fat sure. contract somewhere else. And, and the fact that, that Mike Pinnell couldn't find that money anywhere else, the right. Chiefs had all the leverage. Or we, we don't know exactly the, the, the actual dialogue. My, my right. assumption is Mike Pinnell really wants to be in Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, I don't think that he had the type of leverage where he was going to go and basically get this offer from the Chiefs, and then there was going to be another I team that was going to out. I thought he'd have more noise. There'd be more noise for him because I thought he performed really well this year and kind of outperformed, obviously, his contract – or not his contract, but obviously performed what we were expecting, expectations. Yeah, so. yeah and, and, and the thing about Mike Pinnell is – He's kind of in the same category that Sammy Watkins is going to be in this offseason, or was, I should say, because now Pinnell is officially signed, Yeah, is the fact that his position, the draft has some really good players. Defensive, yeah, yeah. So it's it's going to be one of those things D-line where and wide receivers yeah, teams yeah. are going to be aiming for guys that are going to be seven, eight years younger than Mike Pinnell, and they're going to be just as cheap. So you might as well go with those guys and draft them with a mid-round pick. Yeah as opposed to trying to overspend on Mike Pinnell, who could have just been a, a one-year guy. One thing that we always we see here in Kansas City, and I, I spoke on it last week, is the, the Chiefs over the last several years, when John Dorsey came to Kansas City, we got to give him credit for this, they find these guys that are considered diamonds in the rough. You know, you talk about guys like Sharkandrick West. You talk about guys like Ron Parker. Those guys played their role for a couple of years. Yeah. They, you know, they, they played the role, but we all knew that eventually – 
these guys weren't going to be long-term answers. And that's what ended up happening. Do I think Mike Pinnell is a long-term answer? Absolutely not. But is he a right-now answer? Yes, he absolutely is a right-now answer. And that's why I'm 100% of the belief this is a great signing for the Chiefs because I don't think that Mike Pinnell is going to have a long-tenured career in in Kansas City, let alone in the NFL. I think it's going to be one of those things where this guy really – it's like Trevor and I, we talked about movies earlier. You have like these era actors. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your guys like Michael Sarah. Let's just use him for instance. I think Will Smith was an era actor too, but we can, well, we can get that in a second. <laughs> but but I know it, what you mean. Here's the thing. Yeah, you have like guys like Michael Sarah who 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 played their time. You know, you have your John Claude Van Damme. He was he was less of an era actor. He was more of like a just like a he had that one role in like three movies. It's He's official. Just, the spoken is now a movie. Oh yeah. I mean, we're gonna podcast. go down a rabbit hole here, man. The point is the no, but you're right. Yeah. The, the, the point though that I'm, I'm trying to make is is that there's certain people in certain industries that that play the role for a shorter window than some other people. Right. And it's not any. It's not a fault. It's not a knock. It's just how it goes. Good timing thing. And yeah, because yeah. the, the 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 averages pan out for Mike Pinnell. Because think about it. The average NFL career is two point something years. On average, yeah, you don't. The NFL also stands for not for long, and that's a very true factual well, it's a statement. situation for both sides. It's a perfect situation right. for the Chiefs because he is a guy that already knows the system. It can be a starter if we need him. Like right. I said, he's a and he's a Swiss Army type guy. You can kind of move him around. He knows he knows the positions well, and then obviously it's a win win for him because he's on the best team in the NFL with the best quarterback in the NFL has another sh- a good shot at going to the Super Bowl again. Right. And the reason I have higher expectations this time around is, is again, because of the prove it side of things, mm-hmm. which did not change from one year to the next, but also the fact that there is a certain level of comfortability coming back to what you know. Right. He's coming back to Spagnuolo's defense, who also Steve Spagnuolo is going to feel even more comfortable because this will his, be, be his second year. And that's the part you have to remember is that there is going to be even more comfortability on this team knowing each other and having familiarity with each other. I mean, look at the – I hate to talk about them because there's going to be an asterisk that follows them forever, but if you look at the Patriots, the reason why they also had success, there's layers to it. They also had familiarity in their coaching staffs and their player personnel. The guys that ran the team were consistent. You had consistency where it mattered the most. And that's why I think the Chiefs are going to continue to have success. Yeah, with that brings comfort. You know, I mean, that's, there, yes, yeah, comfortability. It, there is something to that, man. It's called coming home for a reason. We have horrible days. We come home. We feel comfortable there. Well, at least you should. Yeah. And that's what I think Mike Pinnell did. He came home. And as far as the Chris Jones side of thing, I like I said, I think it can actually pan out because on the side of well, this is only a one year deal. They didn't give him a two three year deal. That also feels like they're also making sure that they give Chris Jones enough leeway on his side where they're going to give him the long-term deal because that money is going to be weighing heavy on the Chris Jones side of things. And we can get into a whole other topic of conversation about what's going to happen with Chris Jones, and that I feel like is going to be answered very soon, To be believe it or not. I do believe the Chiefs are going to have something resolved within the next few weeks. you think we find out about Sammy Watkins first or him first? I think Chris Jones first because of the fact that it's more of an important – type of situation. I think that's their top priority right yeah. now. It was a slam dunk to get Mike Pinnell back into Kansas City. I don't think that took a lot of dialogue for the Chiefs to bring him back. I think both sides were very, very much on the same page yeah. from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, on Chris Jones' side of things, I think we're going to absolutely know what is going to happen at least a week before the draft. I'm so confused on how I feel. Because like two weeks ago when we were on the podcast talking with Kent, I felt so comfortable saying that I just was – I did not think he was going to be here. Now – you know, with, with that interview with Reed, I felt like, man, it is the body language, the, the, his tone. It just sounded like he was kind of already gone. But now, like the way things are kind of shaken out, and the, his his market's not. Uh, it seems his market's not as good as it was. You know, there hasn't been a lot of noise and people offering trades as far as what we know. 
Um, but we all know the Chiefs are very good at hiding things and keeping things in-house. So I, I don't really know what to expect right now. With Sammy Watkins, I think they're going to figure out a way to keep Sammy Watkins here. But yeah. Well, and, we'll and we, can, we can touch on those things too because yeah. of the fact that, I mean, there's not a lot to really expand on outside of that besides maybe the draft. Yeah. So we have, to, we have to address these things. And everybody wants to know. Everybody's asking the question about Chris Jones and Sammy Watkins. Well, there's rumors with the – I think the Eagles were connected to some kind of rumor about trading for Sammy Watkins, which it, would make sense. It's, they so, need a receiver. It's, it's so weird though. Like my guy Dirkness said on Twitter, he goes, wow, we heard about – the debunking of the rumor before I actually heard the right. rumor itself. It's it's that's kind of how I felt. Like that's I, I didn't, I didn't hear right. shit about the yeah. Eagles. I mean, I'm not I saying see. it wasn't happening. I'm just saying yeah. I, there was no real validity to it no. from the Kansas City side. From any any person I talked to, yeah. any type of reporting in Kansas City on social on social media on local radio. Well, like I said the Chiefs are one of the best franchises that keep, outside of like the Patriots of keeping things in house. Yeah, and Andy Reid is very on top of all that. So I mean, hearing rumblings is one thing, but. You're not going to get confirmation until it actually happens probably on anything. And we had Ken Swanson on a couple weeks ago, and, and he talked about how, you know, we, there, there's a, a certain level of trade value that Chris Jones has and the, the certain level of, Chris, of of trade value that Chris Jones thinks he has. Yeah, It is crazy to me to think that he doesn't have a market as, as, as expanded as I thought he would yeah, have. Yeah, it is it, weird. It is weird. Nevertheless, that's actually a good thing for the Chiefs because oh, that gives them so doubt. much leverage oh, of, hey, yeah. look, Chris, you can stay here and make X amount of dollars, or you can go to this team that's probably going to win six, seven games the next couple of years and make that same amount of money. Like, who would decide the latter? No yeah. one's going to do that. Yeah. And so, you can, like, again, we can make the debates of whether he fits this defense perfectly or not. In my opinion, I'll stand with this. The Chiefs are a better team with Chris Jones than without him. Could you replace him? Yes. Every but team is better with Chris Jones. The likelihood of you replacing him is very unlikely. Yeah. And that's the point is that, yes, with Chris Jones, you're going to have to replace him with multiple players. You're not going to go mm. find another guy that's going to literally fill his role and it's going to be a one-for-one. One. It's not going to happen. Yeah. That's why guys like him are what they are. They're rare. So you're not going to just go find that guy sitting there's around. Oh, thank you. Those hey, there's, yeah. there's a 21-year-old Chris Jones. Let's yeah. go ahead and draft him. That's not how this goes. Mm. Unless you can go and get a Chase Young type of player who doesn't even – they're not even the same type of player. But if you could go get a guy like that, yes, in an ideal world, you do replace him with Chase Young. But even then, he's not a perfect But you're not going to get Chase Young. So let's sit here and work within the confines of reality. You can pay him market value, which is around $20 million a year. I know that sounds crazy, guys. It's but he's 25 years old, has only missed a handful of games in his entire career, and has been an absolute beast when he plays. I don't really know what there is really to debate. Yeah. If Again, if you're on the side that believes that if you trade Chris Jones for adequate assets, cool. I've always said – I, I know this sounds ridiculous, and I know a lot of people have thought this is ridiculous. But if you can get a Khalil Mack type of trade out of Chris Jones, mm. I'm, I'm going to sit here and entertain that. But anything outside of that, I'm yeah. not even at the table. Yeah. I'm not even – you know when like people slide the note across the table and like want you to pick it up? I'm not even like – I'm not even sliding like sliding it towards me anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. sliding it right back it's to your two ass. two firsts or a first and a player. I'm going to give you it's some sanitizer while I'm at it. It started with that. Two firsts and a, or a first and a player for Chris Jones because, I mean, like, I, like you said, he's a raw talent. Uh, and the team's obviously better when he's on the field just because of his impact alone, regardless if you think he freelances too much and, and, and kind of goes off script. A lot of times it works out when he goes off script because his, his ability to be unpredictable, going off script makes you unpredictable, whether you think it's a, a knock on him or not. Yeah, or, I, but I think, obviously, I think, like you said, he's still a young guy. He's just you know barely in, in, his, in his peak. Um, hey, he can get better. Who knows? He can get better and become a better run stuffer. Um, you know, learning new techniques and how to be a little more structured and, and strict on himself. Uh, another season under the Spags, I think, would be great for him. 
and uh, I would I would like to see him here for another three four years under Spags. Um, but who knows, man? Like I said, it's been so quiet for him. I haven't heard there hasn't been anything on on Twitter. Nothing. I haven't seen or heard anything. Uh, people got to make up Sammy Watkins news just to to make something. But yeah, Chris Jones has been so is so quiet. And honestly, for a lot of defensive players outside of DBs, it's been there's been no movement really. Uh, so it's been DBs and offensive linemen and stuff moving around. So and obviously receivers, but yeah, not much to really talk about, man. As far as him, well, and the other side of it, the the worry that people have about signing Chris Jones to a long term big ass contract <sighs> is is the motivation and the drive that he can sustain. And for me, I'm always going to give the player the benefit of the doubt unless they give me reasons to doubt them. I uh, yeah, I'm a pretty good judge of character, and his character just I just don't. I mean, it, it always is a possibility. Obviously, right. we've seen it happen numerous times. That's why it's it's a thing. But he has that he has that hungrier than that that kind of personality where he's like a kid. He, you just tell when he's out there playing, he just has fun. Yeah, he likes to talk the shit. He likes to get in, you know, Tom Brady's face, and that's something I think he's just too passionate of a guy personally, just his natural personality, not even just as a player, but as a person. He's just a big kid, and I think he just enjoys the game. Well, and and to the big part, you know, mm-hmm. he is a massive man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Spags even has been notorious for having guys who are a little bit more lower center of gravity, a little bit fatter type of interior mm-hmm. defensive lineman. Chris Jones yeah. really isn't that guy. He's 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 he's, he's bulky. Yeah, but he's also yeah he's six foot five. Very long arms. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's not exactly the Spags specimen. Prototype. If you yeah, yeah the prototype. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, he actually fits. Ironically enough, he does fit more of the John Dorsey style for sure. You know, Tano Passino, same thing. He likes those big tall you know, long arm kind of guys, he doesn't fit the spag style more than, you know, the John Dorsey era did. Right. And and I can understand that angle too. And again, if if Chris Jones was just a couple years older, I'm sitting here saying the opposite. I'm sitting oh, yeah, here telling yeah. you guys, under no circumstances do I want the Chiefs signing him long term because at that position, you you do die out very quickly. You die out very quickly. Your body ages so quickly. That's why guys like you know Dwight Freeney and and uh, Reggie or um, um, uh, Reggie White and guys like that throughout the years, Bruce uh, Bruce Smith, they are such freaks because yeah. they could last fifteen talents. years in the NFL and play mm-hmm. at a high level. Th- th- there's a reason why there's only a handful of those guys in NFL history. Yeah. So more than likely, Chris Jones isn't going to be that guy, he even though seem he like is a longevity. Maybe guy. not. Maybe he will be. Maybe he'll be one of the greatest players at his position of all time. We never, we never know what could end up play because he's so young. That's why I'm on the side of signing him back because I want to take the risk of giving him the opportunity to continue that in Kansas City because I'd rather be on that side than letting yeah. him walk and then potentially go to a team that could end up being a Super Bowl contender against the Chiefs or in the AFC, and he ends up being the reason why that defense takes it to the next level mm-hmm. because I do believe that some of the suitors for said Chris Jones are going to be teams that the Chiefs – may have to face in the AFC. That also might be a reason why there is that said holdoff because teams like the Colts could be knocking on the door. They could be offering a first-round pick, but then the Chiefs' brass have to sit back and think. They might think, why would we want to give Chris Jones to the Colts? And Chris Ballard, the whole Chiefs' connection, you could start connecting the dots there where – why you know if Chris Ballard wants Chris Jones, they're willing to pay him twenty million a year. Why aren't we? Yeah, because Chris Ballard is going to be that direct competition because he knows the Chiefs great, right. and the Colts are on the rise. 
That is a team that we absolutely be looking at. I mean, 90 million in cap space, an already awesome roster with an awesome offensive line, and motivated Phillip Rivers at the end of his career. They lack a, a good lot of run op- game. They lack a lot of offensive weapons, though. I get that, but my point is you've seen teams yeah. win Super Bowls with lack of weapons. For sure. It's all about efficiency. There's it's still, all about. There's still moves that can be made from them, too. And they have one of the best coaching staffs in football. Oh, without a doubt. So that's all the factors we need. If you add a Chris Jones to that, that is a Super Bowl contender. Without a doubt. He, absolutely yeah, is. Houston still got a little bit of juice. I mean, he played yeah. well this past season. I mean. Yeah. Like, again, the Colts aren't a perfect team. I'm just throwing them out there in scenario form of this is a team that could be knocking on the door, and that might be a reason why the Chiefs haven't pulled the trigger yet. Yeah. Because it's always about, man, some of these up-and-coming teams are really wanting this guy. Maybe we should reevaluate what we're thinking. Because that's what it's all about. It's a very fluid thing. You might have an established opinion or an idea of what you want in a player, what you see in a player. But when the market kind of opens up, and again, like you said, Trevor, the Chiefs are very close to the chest. They don't reveal a lot. We might be thinking that it's, you know, maybe the market isn't as great from Chris Jones. Or it could be insane. Selfishly, I hope it's not. (laughs) Yeah, or it could be insane and and. There's a lot of teams like, hey man, what can we what can we give True. you to get Chris Jones? Under the, under the table, and that's favorites, why yeah. and that's why I believe we're going to find out in the next couple of weeks about Chris Jones because the Chiefs have to get their draft capital in order. They only have five picks. Well, yeah, especially with this draft, the way it's going to be, it's going to be so odd not having everybody in the building and interviewing players, talking to players, and, right? You know, so everything's going to be kind of offhand. Yes, the so. emphasis the emphasis on being prepared for this draft is is. Yeah. More than any other draft ever. Yeah, everything's like satellite. Yes, everything's, everything's so distant via phone and. So you want to have your time. ducks in a row in order for you to know how you're going to attack a draft that is so weird. Yeah, you know, and then on the Sammy it's Watkins distant. side of things, yeah, that is also a priority. I do believe Brett Veach. You know, because a lot of times you hear these GMs and coaches and players talk, and it's off. It sometimes sounds like they're selling something. Like I feel more confident he's going to be here than I do. Chris Jones. You know, Brett Veach talks about how, oh no, we want Sammy here, and yeah. you can look at that and go. Of course you're saying that because you're hoping that someone is going to be stupid enough to try to trade for him in that contract, which yeah. is not going to happen. No. That is why and, – and, and we've talked about it on the show before that Sammy Watkins has very little to any leverage in this conversation with the Chiefs. And why is that? Because of this draft. Yeah. This draft is so rich with wide receiver talent. It might be the greatest wide receiving draft we've ever seen, at which least I, in the which, last which 20 years. Which is why I'm surprised stuff on Diggs, you know – pulled that off with what he did with Buffalo. Well, you have to almost consider the source. <laughs> well, I mean, I think like, Stephon Diggs is one of the best, if not the best, route runner he in is. NFL right now. But he, he is. I love him, but... I feel like that was that was definitely, that was a, no pun intended or pun intended, a Hail Mary. It could pay off because Buffalo is going to be, I think, really good this next season. Well, and, and to that point, Josh Allen is going into a prove-it year. Right. Because if he, let's say he fails next year, yeah. they can move on from him. Yeah. They absolutely can move on and from Josh Allen. another... Decently sized receiver, and Stephon Diggs a little taller than Smokey John Brown and all the and yeah. Beasley and all those small little guys. So they needed a true wide receiver. He's a twenty-six year old proven commodity. I love it's Buffalo common sense. It's just funny that yeah, like you said, that you're getting more trade value in return yeah. for a, a Stephon Diggs as opposed to a DeAndre Hopkins, and another guy who's had health issues. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been banged up most of his career. So, too. Yes, with all these all these things revolving around Sammy Watkins, mm-hmm. where does he have any leverage in any of this? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think he's going to have to cower down, and, and, and I think he's going to – like we've discussed this over, you know, ad nauseum on this podcast, man. I think he likes it here. I think that's big to him, and I think he's a different type of dude. And I think I, – like I said, I feel more confident he's going to be here than I do Chris Jones because he's less of a personality. He's less – he's more of a, you know, 
he kind of likes his privacy. Chris Jones is more, you know, he likes the spotlight. Chris Jones is kind of, you, you could feel him kind of want to become more of a celebrity type deal, doing all the, a lot of those post Super Bowl interviews and stuff with, you know, Barstool and, and, and going on the, going to the Instagram warehouse and all that stuff. He was doing his little tour there. But I mean, Frank Clark is doing the same thing. I will, so. I will say it, it was very odd with Chris Jones going on the herd. Very separate. Almost an hour within within an hour's time of him getting tagged. Yeah, that 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 he felt, felt, he felt. It almost separated. felt rogue. You know, yeah. it almost felt like he was like, I know I'm about to get tagged. The, the announcement's coming today. Let uh-huh. me get on this show. I'm in L. A. Let's do this. Yeah, it, it felt very it felt like the Chris Jones almost show staged. instead of celebrating the Chiefs' victory. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to throw him under the bus. I have a hard time believing personality, but it felt that way. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that the Chiefs like that all too much because, like we talk about, they're a very secretive organization, almost to a fault. Actually, to a fault. I mean, you you watch his interviews, and then you go watch Frank Clark do his tour with Fox Sports or FS1, and he he was never rarely taught. I mean, outside of the where you saw about how his a lot of people were saying he had a he had a so so season. Outside of that. He was. It was nothing but talking about Patrick Mahomes and his teammates and Tyron Matthews' leadership and all these other guys' leadership. Coach Reed's leadership. It was all team, team, team. You know. So I, Chris Jones, he was talking about you know the smack talk he does personally and how he loves, which is fun. I love our players showing their personality. And Chris Jones has nothing but that. But it definitely felt you know separate from the team. But we are recording here in the Twidwell Studios. Like I said, guys, we're at home. Uh, everyone's just been kind of isolated, which is a great thing. Um, this is where we're doing the show. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a continual thing or not. I have no idea, but regardless, there will be content for you guys. We promise you that. That is one thing I am certain of. And um, like I said, man, we I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this because yeah. this is one of the few things in Kansas City that so we can really talk about. Yeah. This isn't going to be – I've told you guys, and I think you're all starting to understand and see that for yourselves. This isn't going to be one of those exciting off seasons. The only thing that can really be exciting is if, if and when Patrick Mahomes gets his extension – which I, I, I'm starting to feel like that's not going to happen this offseason. Yeah, I think Could change. Nice. Yeah, I'm with you. But So we're going to have to look at, okay, does Sammy Watkins end up coming back for much cheaper? Uh, does Chris Jones end up getting that money? Because he's not going to take a cent less. Mm. Not going to take a cent less than what he's going to be, What the ultimate amount of money do the Chiefs end up pulling that trigger. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how that goes down. Let me get your guys' thoughts on that because I really want to know where you guys stand on this stuff because it's such a fluid situation. It changes constantly. In the meantime, we're going to take a real quick break. And when we get back, there's a word that has been thrown around a lot in American society, and I want to associate it with the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get back to that after this. To all the killers and the hundred dollar billers. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the mid-coast and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Twidwell Studios, my guy, Trevor Twidwell. And we appreciate our lady, Gat, being here tonight, uh, running film for us. We very much appreciate all the help we've been getting, especially from her. She's been a, a real champion for us, so we really appreciate that, uh, for all of her help that she's given us along the way over these last couple months. So, yes, shout out to our lady, Gat. 
So we left off on our last segment. That was a really good conversation, by the way. Yeah. Um, talking about Chris Jones, Sammy Watkins, Mike Pinnell. I actually started with Mike Pinnell and ended up becoming a Chris Jones conversation, naturally. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to have Mike Pinnell back. And I really am looking forward to what he contributes to the team and who's going to be around him, quite frankly, which is a very important topic of discussion right now in Kansas City. But we're going to move to something that I don't feel like we do segments like this very often, but I feel like it's very necessary for this time. Yeah. Uh, anybody out there that is in the working for working field, what I, I imagine is 99.9% of everybody that listens to this show. I can't imagine Mark Cuban and people like that are spending time listening to podcasts like this. Friend yeah, friend of the show, friend of the show. That's correct. Shout out to Mark Cubes. Um, all of you guys have been hearing, you know, how things are going in the work for, workforce right now with layoffs and people getting, you know, losing their jobs, which is obviously sad as shit. And, and very stressful uh, and, and only adds to what is going on in our society right now. And I wanted to bring some levity to everything that is going on just to kind of you know bring this to a Chiefs-related topic because the word that we hear a lot right now is essential staff. Uh, you know, Only essential staff are going to be here and do these things at these certain times. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let, me, let, me, let me play that into the Kansas City Chiefs because if I know anything about Chiefs fans – when they love a player, they love the shit out of that guy, and it's forever, unless they do something that just absolutely screws it up, Larry Johnson. Um, and so we have these situations in, in Kansas City right now where I feel like there's a ton of essential players on this team right now. Yeah, yes, Patrick Mahomes is, is, the, is the guy. He's, he's what we call the pinnacle. But let's be real here. Patrick Mahomes didn't win a Super Bowl in 2018. Why? Was it, was it because he wasn't great? Nope. No, he was the fucking MVP. The difference was he had a defense – that gave him what he needed. It was essential. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I decided let's make a little bit of a, a of a fun segment here. Um, not named Patrick Mahomes. Who are the three most essential current Chiefs players in regards to repeating as Super Bowl champs in twenty twenty? Trevor, I'm going to let you give me your first one of the three. Start with number three and work your way to one. Uh, number three is going to be Travis Kelsey. Um, He's the most targeted guy, and he led the AFC in receiving. Uh, obviously, he's the best tight end in the game. He's the most trusted teammate to Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, we can't pick Patrick Mahomes in this segment because he's obviously the – Yeah, there would be no segment. He, he is the no essential, segment. He's the essential not only for the Chiefs but the NFL at this point. Right. Um, so I'm going to go with his number one toy. Uh, and quite frankly, his best friend on the team, uh, the chemistry there, the whole – the, the the beauty of that video when they're talking about how Kelsey was talking about how Patrick Mahomes read his mind or vice versa, how they're reading each other's minds the out Super there. Bowl, yeah. To me, he's the most vital offensive weapon on this team because of that fact, because yeah. of the relationship between him and Mahomes. And if you take him out of the offense, I feel like not that the offense is going to like break down, but there is going to, it's going to be a noticeable uh, vacancy in the offense without him out there. Just for the fact of that, of that chemistry that he has with Mahomes, And he is the guy I believe that makes Mahomes tick. He's the most reliable go-to piece when, when things, when the shit's hitting the fan or if, or if we're, if we're backed up and we saw in the Super Bowl, he was the guy that caught the touchdown, you know, to put us up and, and to take on that last drive after the wasp play. Uh, he was the guy that he went to and, uh, you know, in the biggest moment there was in this, in the biggest game that there was. So for me, I'm going with the best tight end of the game, the number one target for Patrick Mahomes, you know, the most reliable offensive weapon on this team. Uh, and obviously he's durable and he, 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 we don't have to worry about him missing games. Uh, he's obviously, and obviously the, the main thing too with, with Travis Kelsey is, is the the development of his, his personal leadership in this team, in this locker room. Uh, because before, you know, he was the hot headed guy out there throwing his towel at, at, at refs and 
just just for his personal growth as an individual and how he's you know not, not even taking Mahomes under his wing, but kind of like developed a relationship with Mahomes as they grew together, almost like an older brother type deal. Um, so I think he's irreplaceable on this team right now. Who's so, uh, who's your number two? My number two is Tyreek Hill. Um, I had to, I had to go with him too because the, as much as we want to talk about the defense, how much it progressed this past season, obviously it was it was a key cog to us winning the Super Bowl. This team is built on offense and the back of Patrick Mahomes and his two key weapons to me uh, are extremely vital and essential, uh, and, uh, which is obviously the the point of this conversation. So I think the two obviously when we needed a play it was third and long in the Super Bowl. Mahomes goes out there and says, "Hey, we got time for Wasp," and he he, t- he taps Tyreek Hill on the, on the on the on the elbow and says, "Hey, do your thing, you know, get loose or whatever he said." He said something like that. Basically, just get open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just move. And the play that that changed the entire game, flipped the whole game on its head, was the play that went to Tyreek Hill, and he had he has that trust in Tyreek Hill to get open to make that play to run the right route. To get to, to develop that space, to get that space, to get open for that play, um, and totally break the back of that defense, um, you can't go without that guy. Yeah, in my mind. And obviously, if we're going to be real, outside of preparing for Patrick Mahomes on a weekly basis, any team that's visiting or on the road, if we're going to their place, any defensive coordinator or coaches in general who's preparing to play the Chiefs, outside of Patrick Mahomes, they're thinking about Tyreek Hill because he's the guy that will completely. Yeah, he has the game breaking plays. Yeah, we talk about. I talk about Travis Kelsey first. But the guy that's going to absolutely break your spirit is Tyreek Hill because in one play the whole game ch- changes. We've seen a numerous, we saw it especially in 2018, over and over again. Him just completely just burning you over the top. And there's nothing. I don't care how good of a corner you are. You can be the best corner. It doesn't matter. You can't prepare for that kind of speed. And it's it's nearly impossible to outside of bracketing with two three guys with the safety watching him the whole time. You, it, there's not much you can do for a guy like that. So for me, the guy that, that made the biggest play to set up the biggest touchdown of the game to Travis Kelsey coincides with the two most important guys in my mind on this team outside of Patrick Mahomes. And it's just two number it's his two most important offensive weapons. And who is your number one? Number one is Tyron Matthew, man. Um and I could do all I have to say for him is just his vocal leadership. Because this team, if anything Obviously, we had plenty of vocal leadership offensively, but we were lacking, obviously, with the, the absence of Eric Berry, even when he was here. And we talked about this before on the podcast, numerous episodes, how we were missing that. We were missing that mouthy, loud mouth uh, motivator defensively. You know, DJ, DJ had that a little bit in his prime, um, but those were some rough years, man. Uh, we had some good defenses, but we, we were missing this spirit, and he brought that spirit. Uh, and, we, and we, you know, and, and it's too, it's the, it's crazy too because the addition of him was so huge because everyone was so we were all bought in on Earl Thomas. We all wanted Earl Thomas so bad, and and Tyre Matthew didn't have the greatest year with the Texans, you know, the years the year prior, and everyone was kind of down on him because of his, his he had some injuries in the past and he was had a little bit of slightly of a down year, but he still believed in himself, and I and I, I credit Brett, Brett Beach for bringing him in here and you know calling him the ultimate chess piece, and that's exactly what played out. He became the ultimate chess piece. He became the vocal leader for this defense that we were missing that voice defensively to chew on, you know, to, to, to chew guys' asses out when they needed it. Uh, and and the whole like when you watch that video of the Super Bowl, the recap when he when the mic'd up when he's like, "I like this, I like this." We needed see we didn't have they were down too. We didn't have guys like that. He yeah. likes the adversity, man. yeah, and that's what we needed. That spirit, that angered, fire guys up even when we were down. Him, guys like him and Frank Clark are irreplaceable, man. Because I almost put Frank Clark, but Frank Clark's not—he's not there yet for me. I, I love him at the, his productions there, but Tyrone Matthew to me is just because he's been around a little longer. He plays. We needed that safety 
you know, that safety position because we, it was so vacant and we've had, you know, retread guys, you know, guys like Ron Parker and, 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 you know, other guy and obviously Eric Berry, who, whose spirit was broken, obviously. So we were, we were in dire need for that. And I think he replaced the most important piece on this entire team that we were missing, you know? So he brought that, 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 that fresh, you know, spirit and blood into the defense that we needed. So, and he's honestly uh, coinciding with Spag's, defensive scheme he's the one that i think single-handedly made the biggest contributions and change to this team which obviously led us to being super bowl champs so for me i gotta go with tyrone number one he's the most impactful guy and most vital and essential guy i think on the team right now outside of patrick mahomes oh i like that list i like that list a lot um ours ours is gonna be a little bit different Mm. man this see obviously i i came up with this concept of this this segment but i'll admit to you it, it took me all the way to the day mm. to really oh, like yeah. narrow it all down yeah because yeah. again as i stated before you went on your list there are so many guys so it's almost like you can't make the like there's no wrong or right list well, yeah, you know especially when you're talking about a super bowl champ team well, I, really, I posted like, you know what i mean i posted it to the group and on the twitter page at the spoken pod mm. and i had Literally 35 people, and they're all different. I've Every of, single yeah, list was different. Damian Williams, too. I mean, I Every know. single list was different. I can't and, argue and that. I was like, man, I can't disagree with that one. Right. I can't disagree with that one. Some I agree with more than others, yeah, but. It's difficult. Just yeah. So that's, what, that's what makes us awesome. So yeah. I, my, my list is going to maybe throw you for a loop a little bit, no, but this good. is honestly where I'm at yeah. with the guys that I think are the three most essential players on the Chiefs, not named Patrick Holmes. Number three, Eric Fisher. Mm. Why? Now, I'm not the biggest Eric Fisher fan. Let me just go ahead and preface this. I have made that known since the Chiefs drafted Eric Fisher in 2013. I already know where you're going with it. I do not believe him to be elite at his position, and I sure as shit do not not look at him as a number one overall overall pick. In fact, I will bet good money that even a large number of Chiefs fans either forgot or did not realize that he was the number one overall pick in 2013. Mm. I talk about this with fans, and it's almost like I see this blank stare like, Oh, fuck, yeah, yeah he really yeah. was. Oh, shit. <laughs> With all of that said, the results are there. Mm. This team didn't lose a single game with Fisher That's in the lineup. Matters. That's all that All matters. of last season. Sure, they only lost four games total, but the fact that he wasn't a part of any of them speaks volumes. Yep. <laughs> There's something to that. That's no, without a doubt. He does not have an adequate replacement, mm. and he plays such an important role protecting Patrick McChrist's blindside. <laughs> Eric Fisher is absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. My number two, it's on Trevor's list, just one spot lower, Tyron Matthew. Why? It's so much more than the obvious fact that Tyron is insanely talented and very good at football. Mm -hmm. As I tweeted out a couple of months ago, Patrick Mahomes changed the legacy of the Chiefs. Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark changed the culture of the Chiefs. Tyron is a culture changer, and changing a franchise's culture cannot be cannot be quantified. Tyron Matthew is insanely essential. And my number one, they call him the Zeus, T. Kels, whatever you want to call him, the dancing the dancing white boy with a beard. Yep. Travis Kelsey, the number one for me. Why? Consistency is everything to be essential, and there has never, there has not been a single player for the Chiefs that have been more consistent than Travis Kelsey over the last several years. And any line of work showing up every day gets you mad brownie points with the bosses. Knowing that they can rely on you is a major key in being essential. Well, according to my research, Travis Kelsey hasn't missed a single game due to injury in over six seasons. 
playing a skill position and starting in 95 straight games without an injury is beyond incredible. And not only is Travis Kelsey essential or consistent in his attendance, he's also the most consistent tight end in NFL history when it comes to producing. See, he now owns the record for most consecutive seasons with at least 1,000 yards receiving. Dude, he's a, he's a wide receiver one. And knowing that the streak began two seasons before Mahomes took over, it confirms that Kelsey can and will produce regardless of who is chucking him the rock. Absolutely. Travis Kelsey is ridiculously essential Hall of Famer. to this team going back-to-back, and I think he's my number one guy. I really do believe that. I know those some of those names are like, well, of course you're going to say that because, of course, those guys are essential. It, it's, it's picking out the finest of the finest. Yeah. I saw people, like I said, Frank Clark, it makes sense. For me personally, I couldn't put him in the top three because of the fact that he didn't play a full season of good football. Mm-hmm. And he, yes, he did help uh, propel the, the culture change. But Tyron Matthew really was the one that embodied that, in yes. my personal opinion. Like yeah, you said. He was, he was infectious, man. Yes. I, I think it all really did start with Tyron. Absolutely. And I'm going to stick with that, and that's why he he was so high up on my Not board. Not to be cliche, but he was the quarterback of the defense. Yeah. He was the one out there yelling at guys. Frank Clark just has one objective, is get to the quarterback. And yeah, he does it very guys, well. Yeah, you guys got to remember something. Like, the Patriots didn't start out as a dynasty as a franchise. In fact, they were a laughable team in a long period of time right. throughout their history. It wasn't until Bill Belichick came in there and changed their culture. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Tom Brady bought in. It wasn't right. until they got the cameras on the Bengals practices. That was just <laughs> free. But franchises have to change their culture eventually. The Steel Curtain in, in, in Pittsburgh land. Mm. Like that stuff happened, and then it projected them into this, you know, they almost lean into it now. Mm. Like this is a brand. Right. The Chiefs are now a brand because of guys like Tyron Matthew. On the production side of things, more importantly, Travis Kelsey, like I said, you can't name me a single Chiefs player over the last six, seven years that have been more consistent in what they do than Travis Kelsey. He's, he's since Tony Gonzalez is the most reliable receiving option in Chiefs history. Yes. It's not even close. Yes. He's going to be better. His numbers are going to be better than Tony Gonzalez outside of the touchdowns. And I, I know that I'm going to hear about Tyreek Hill. I get it. Tyreek Hill is extremely essential, guys. Well, the main reason, the main reason, that, like I put Tyreek in my in my number two spot is because of the preparation that teams have to stress over, and 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 what he does that opens up the offense for others. Right. That to me is so vital because he demands. He's like a he's like he's like a, an elite scorer in the NBA. He demands like LeBron. I'm not saying he's LeBron, but I'm saying ideally, LeBron demands a double team when he's hot. So when Tyreek Hill's speed demands a double team, or at least a, a double a double look that's going to throw somebody else's protection off that one, like we saw, he he was shot there shaking, you know, Richard Sherman when he was talking all that shit. You know, it's you can't prepare for Tyreek Hill, and that's why he's just so essential to me because of what he does to open up opportunities for others, even when he doesn't have a good game. The thing about Tyreek Hill for me, the reason why he fell out of my three is because of the fact that you saw the Chiefs still scoring at high levels and winning games without him. But, they but, beat the Ravens but without Tyreek Hill. Do you Hill. not think that he contributed to that because the, a lot of that was to, because he was being doubled, opening up other opportunities for others? Oh, I, 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 no, that's that's the part. That Even the, if he's playing decoy, that's it, him being. That's essential. where this gets tricky because, like yeah, I said, it, I it, it almost makes it almost makes me feel like I'm building a case against his uh, as, uh, being essential as a player. It just if I'm if I'm comparing him to the value of these three players I name, it's yeah. it's like look, well, Tyreek on, on any other team, and that just goes to show that the, the pure talent yeah. of Mahomes too, because right. he's able to find ways to score without. Tyreek Hill going off and that's That's, yeah (laughs) and that's the only reason why I put Travis Kelsey on there is because we've seen Travis Kelsey have incredible seasons without Patrick Mahomes now we did see Tyreek Hill have that one season in 2017 with Alex Smith but Alex Smith was also finally throwing the ball downfield, and Tyreek Hill was receiving well, the benefits Hill of that. Tyreek Hill was still new to the league and still kind of bursting onto the scene where a lot of people didn't really know who he was, what right. he was capable of. 
So that he was, he caught the league by surprise for sure in his first couple of years. So who do you guys have? Who's your who's your three most essential players not named? Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs. Who is the who are the guys that you think they absolutely have to have to run it back in 2020 to be repeat champs? I'll leave that to you guys. Like I said, follow us on the Spoken Pod. Hit us up on the Facebook group. Let us know who you guys have as your top three most essential players not named Patrick Mahomes on the Chiefs. And we leave it there. Would love to hear you guys' feedback on that. We're going to take a quick break, and we are going to get to the Monday Mailbag. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hemp Co. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The it is time for the Monday mailbag. Every single Monday, uh, I try to make it on Monday mornings, but sometimes, you know, it kind of drags into the day. But every single Monday, we make it consistent where we give you guys an opportunity to give us what you guys are thinking, what you guys want to discuss, what, you, what you're debating about amongst yourselves. And we talk about it on the show. It's a very simple concept. A lot of other shows do it, but we try to do it the best and most authentic way we know how to. So let's get right to it. Trevor, what do we got? All right. Well, we got all three of our questions are from our guy, Donnie Couch. On the actual thread? Okay. On the actual, uh, on these, yeah, on the, all, the, all the questions on the actual thread are from Donnie. So shout out to Donnie. Appreciate the, the interactions, man. As always. Um, his first question he starts with, he goes, hey, hey guys, is it possible that Eddie and Trevor, obviously Eddie can't yet, uh, Eddie and Trevor give us a genuine reaction to the Texans signing Eric Murray that, in my opinion, is the worst free agent signing this year. Keep in mind, it's $20.25 million he signed for. Yeah, I, I mean, me personally, I have that is bewildering, if I can use a, a cool word. Uh, I don't understand that one at all. Um, I don't know what he's done in his career to deserve any, any even half of that amount of money. Uh, it's strange. Uh, maybe they see something that we haven't yet so far. I mean, I like him as a person. He was a halfway decent player on the practice squad. Uh, but, I, uh, yeah, I mean, good for them. That's, uh, that's definitely a Texans type of move. Uh, definitely a Bill O'Brien guy, I guess. So, kudos to them. Uh, kudos for him. That's Who, who uh, needs a DeAndre Hopkins when you get an Eric Murray? You know? That's what I'm saying. So, I mean, he's yeah, that's a good replacement there. Uh, so, next question. Donnie, uh, he goes, also, there have been a lot of rumors uh, of Stefan Gilmore being a potential trade target. If the Pats were to trade him away, how much would their defense regress? Uh, dramatically. Yeah. He's he's one of those few guys. Yeah, he's one of the few guys in the NFL that even the Patriots would miss. Now, I do know that the mindset of the Patriots is you always get out one year before it's too late. You know, you always right. get out one year, too, one year too early, so it's not one year too late. I I actually respect that mentality for sure. I and really it's worked, yeah, and it has worked most yeah. times. I mean, obviously, there's you know exceptions, but yeah. the fact is, yes, that's absolutely true. And I think they actually did that with Tom Brady, to be honest. Yep, uh, I respect them making that decision as well as to not give him the money he asked for. But in this particular situation, Stephen Gilmore is still very much in his prime, and I think that he's got an, at least three, three or four more really good seasons left in him in football. So for the Patriots to trade him away they better be getting a hole that's all i'm gonna say i i really because the patriots are now in this kind of middle ground for the first time in two decades where they don't really know what their image is i know that bill belichick is the representation but you still need your jimmies and joes on the field to give you the results because you can be the, you can be the best coach of all time if you don't have the guys yeah. that's not really gonna matter and stefan gilmore is that perfect corner for the patriots he is going to be expensive Having said that, you better be getting a couple first-round picks or a first and a second, uh, some valuable commodities in return to justify that trade, especially yeah. with things being so sensitive with fans right now with Tom Brady. 
I mean, it, it would definitely be a Belichick, Belichickian move for him to, you know, sign that deal and then trade him away for pieces um, to, you know, maybe have a fresh start here moving forward and get a couple guys that he likes. But I, I think I definitely think Gilmore is a, a Belichick guy. I think he's going to stay. I don't see them trading him. But it, if he were to leave, that would absolutely change the whole trajectory of that defense because he's so vital to that defense. You know, the guy literally shuts down an entire side of the field and is a guy that can move all around the field. Um, obviously, he he has the, the 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 credit of being the defensive player of the year for a reason, uh, and he's the most vital player on that defense. Especially with Van Noy being gone now, um, he's he's even more valuable to that defense. So, um, yeah. So we can go on to the next one. And uh, Donnie asks uh, one last thing. I work for Holloman Air Force Base uh, Commissary Commissary. Sorry. Um, as a civilian vendor, and besides everybody buying toilet paper and disinfectants, there is a run on toothpaste. Why, out of all things, are these people buying toothpaste? And can you stop, please? Seriously, you only need one, one, two for about three weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. People, people are panicking. And, I don't know, Donnie. You tell us. Yeah, like, this, this yeah. sounds more like a rhetorical question, if you ask me. Like, you just kind of like wanted to rant for a second. So, you know what, man? You cook on that one. I, I don't really have anything to add. I mean, I think I go and I brush my teeth twice a day. I go through maybe a tube of toothpaste every couple of months yeah so yeah i agree with you donnie i don't think that's much of a, a reason to be panicking in that regard I, I personally i don't see what the the whole hype is on toilet paper i mean my god it's essential but yeah i mean uh you don't have to go too crazy with that can yeah to like delve out. off a little bit like it's funny I, I go to you know stores and stuff and i see there is no toilet paper there is no um uh, paper towels and all that stuff i don't even like go down those aisles anymore but then I, i'll go to produce yeah, and there's fruit and vegetables, and there's meat, and I'm I'm very confused. So, Donnie, I am with you in that one, my dude. I really appreciate you uh, bringing that one up because I know that is something everybody's talking about. You know, honestly, that would be that would be a really good topic to take uh, to our guy Rob at Gutter Sluts. That would be definitely a perfect. <laughs> yeah, go go subscribe to his show. Yeah. Our, our our brother who lives, how he feels. lives out in the desert of Cali. Yeah. Uh, board of shit. Yeah. <laughs> board of shit. Just killing it on his podcast, man. Yeah. Go, go send that one to him. Cause he'll definitely want to talk about that. I guarantee you Rob will have a much more interesting angle and ta- and, and take than Trevor and I, who are just definitely more, of, stock and, and more of an entertaining answer. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, yeah. you definitely need to go subscribe <laughs> to him for sure. Um, sure but thank you. Thank you for all that. Uh, Donnie real quick. I'm going to give one from shaggy Shane Williams, and then we'll continue with the other questions that we have. Yeah. Uh, our guy Shaggy Shane actually just uh, sent it on our live feed from earlier before we started recording. He asks, how will this layoff affect the Royals' bullpen? That is actually a very good question. The reason why it is is because I think it's going to dramatically affect the bullpen along with every other bullpen in baseball. See, in baseball, almost more than any other sport, you have to have rhythm. I understand it's a slower sport, mm. but with pitching, you have to have camaraderie, and there's always new pitchers on every ball club every single year, and that also means new catchers. And even if you have the same catchers, you're always going to have to build that camaraderie between the two. They have to have chemistry. Mm. They have to have that, and if they don't, going into a season, whenever the Royals and other teams decide to start playing baseball – this is going to be something that's going to dramatically affect them because you, if you watch baseball at any consistent level, you will see in April and May the teams are usually pitching horribly in comparison to how they'll look in July and August. Yeah. You will see the sharpness is off. You'll see that they're working on things. They're experimenting with things. You will see pitchers try pitches they haven't ever tried before or they're trying to add to their repertoire. This, these are things that the Royals in particular, because Shaggy asked it in particular, these are things they're not going to be able to do right now. 
Yeah, at and, all. And not even you're you're looking at it from the player's perspective, and not even just from the player's perspective, but from the manager's perspective, deciding because we've seen it numerous times again where a manager comes into the season thinking who he knows who his starters are, who his relievers are, who his closers are. All of that can change depending on how who's performing at what level, who's better at certain level. You know, younger guys coming in who could be who they think is a starter, who's actually better as a closer. You know, depending on where their stuff fits to the in the rotation. That all that's why baseball being such a long season with 160 plus games is good for that because we've seen bullpens rotate as far as bodies, who's doing what and who's better and what, whose strengths become certain people's weaknesses and who fills in this spot better, especially in the bullpen. I mean, that 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 is huge as far as from the manager's evaluation, evalu, evaluation aspect of the whole thing too. So both of those perspectives, it's definitely going to take its toll. It could be a positive, could be a negative, depending on how you look at it. But it's, I think it's more of a negative if the, the, the time off – continues for a long period of time so. yeah great question though shaggy i really yeah. appreciate you putting that out there man that was a good one and we got, we got we got one more question yeah so our last question is from our guy taylor good friend of mine uh good friend of the show friend of the show along with mark along with mark cuban absolutely yep yep the cubes the cubes uh <laughs> first name basis absolutely know, yeah. nicknames and yeah. all that we're, we're cute yeah it comes he's coming to our picnic on the weekend uh <laughs> no he's not he's we're not. social distinct the shit out of that <laughs> sorry cubes we love you to death do not come to my house ain't <laughs> he, happening i don't he, care if it's the private jet Ain't happening, dude. He's sponsored by Purell, so he's got a Purell. <laughs> he's gonna bring a Purell tent. Um. Anyways, that's, I don't know. Uh. So Taylor clean, asked. That was a clean joke. <laughs> hey, dude. hey. It'll be an inside one as well. Uh. Be our last episode, also. Absolutely. Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> Taylor asked, "Yo, do we need to make the unveiling of the NFL schedule like some kind of a special event at this point, since we don't have any baseball or basketball to enjoy?" Question mark. Man, I really hope not, Taylor. I know we were talking earlier in that thread. Yeah. I, I really hope not, man. Because that, if that, if that's something we actually have to like make a big deal of, I mean, we all we all talk about the schedule and it's at always a point, big man. deal. But at this point, it's kind of like I, I feel like we're we're gonna be at that place where that's gonna be something we're gonna be talking about for two shows. Unfortunately, yeah. um, so to answer your question as 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 eloquently as I possibly can, my guy Taylor, um, yeah. I, I think it's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be an event. I, I really do, I, especially here in Kansas City, because in a city like Kansas City, there's not a lot going on naturally. Mm. Uh, sports is such a big thing. Like cities like this, Green Bay, Buffalo, Cleveland, you know, sports are what run these towns. <clears throat> and whenever there's anything that we can talk about that's new and it's something that you know everyone's talking about, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a big deal regardless of what's going on in the world. Yeah, with everything that's going on in the world, this is absolutely going to be a big thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to happen regardless. Like you said, it's going to be just because it's a talking point, just because it's a, it's a something. Yeah, going on in the sports world, and you already know. I can already hear because me and you both, we, you know, whoever else listens to you know radio or, or watches you know sports television, we can already see this being like you know an all day thing where they're breaking down every single yep. team schedule. You know, the strength of schedule, who who they expect to win each division. That's already going to become a thing, and I. Like I, like you said, if, if it's gonna be it's gonna be an event, it's gonna be a talking point regardless. It's gonna be a hot topic because it's something to talk about. Period. Uh, any any single move, you know, uh, in the NFL, like we just got done talking about, you know, uh, what's the name signing with the Texans. So that anything yeah. like that, yeah, any move, any budge, if any sport topic at all is going to be a hot topic, uh, you know, in, in this trying time that we're dealing with right now. So the attention is going to be on sports. We're, we're fiending for it. So yeah, either way, even if we don't want it to be a, a special event, it's going to become that. So. Good questions, guys. We yeah. really do appreciate that. Like I, like I say, 
Every single Monday, we post that on the Spoken on the group page on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, you want to talk sports, join our group. We'll bring you right in, and every single Monday we give you guys this opportunity. This platform runs throughout the week all the way till we start recording that next episode. Mm-hmm. This is our opportunity to really kind of get to know you guys and for you guys to kind of take over the show essentially, which is the ultimate goal. We love having you guys contribute to what we do, so definitely do that. Um, but in the meantime, we're going to do something else. Let's go Hold this L! by nobody because we're just having fun in here in the, in the, the Twidwell Studios, I guess you would call it, and we're going to be here for the foreseeable future. We're going to hand out some L's like we like to do every single week. It's our favorite segment of the week, and I'm going to hand it off to my guy Trevor Twidwell, who was not here last week to hand out some L's, so I know he's just fainting. He's just fainting. So go ahead, Trevor. Hand out the L. Who was holding the L this week for this Trevor one, Yeah, this one for me is a, a bummer. Um, I'm not going to be a downer, but it is uh, definitely a bummer for me because I'm a big fan of this individual. Imagine that, Trevor, sending out a depressing it's L. It's not a depressing one. Shocker, well, I mean, in reality, bros. Depressing. Shocker. Okay. Goddamn. Slow sports day. It's been a slow sport, sports uh, couple sports. months. Slow sports couple months here. Those, um, those are bullshit excuses. Yeah. I mean, Built in, by the way. There's not a lot. That's a but, preconceived. But this one I couldn't avoid. Uh, John Jones, man. Um. Outside of Georgia St. Pierre is my all-time favorite fighter in the UFC and mixed martial arts, period. Um, but I'm starting to really – I've been slowly but surely trying to start to pull my, my fan card from him. Um, I love him as a fighter. I'll never deny what he does as a showman of, of the sport uh, in the octagon. But as an individual, man, he's he, – he, he, like I said, it's a, it's a bummer because he definitely has mental health issues. And <laughs> I seen your post too when I was, I was writing my L – uh, about the the two you know Jones brothers and the two totally different extremes, you know, with his in the brother. same day, yeah, and his brother, you know, donating donating all, all that money, you know, for charity and for for you know for society, you know, which is an amazing thing, a great you know um, thing to do, and then his brother here getting arrested once again, firing off a firearm, uh, DWI, uh, once again. You know, it's sad, man, because he does. There's obviously some mental health issues there because, the, I mean, we can talk about the fight. I mean, I, we, I touched on it when the fight happened. I talked about how shitty the fight was, how upset I was at him for how he wasn't even approaching the fight at all. He wasn't even approaching any contact in the fight. He was very – it was just a boring fight overall, and I thought he almost damn near should have lost He almost fight. fought like George St. Pierre. Stop it. George St. Pierre oh, would actually – he would actually be taking people down. He's a true art – whatever. I'm not going to go into that. Anyways, <laughs> that's my guy. Don't hate on George St. Pierre. Anyways, uh, I'll go off on a tangent on that one, but please don't. I'll fall asleep. Back like to when the L. I watch him fight. Back to the L at hand. Let me just lay on this guy for five rounds. George St. Pierre. This is what his fifth strike now. I don't know if he's going to get suspended, which I, I, I'm sure. I mean, the sport's slow right now. The sports world is slow right now, so I don't. I mean, this is. I don't know what's going to happen to him as far as uh, penalty, or you know, as far as what's going to happen as for him if he's going to fight in the future. I know he already has future fights because he's still got to defend that title of his, um, but. Him getting, you know, pulled over by the police again, firing a firearm, uh, highly intoxicated. You know, he's obviously got an alcohol issue and a drug, uh, you know, a drug issue. 
Um, so for me, man, I, I really just want him to seek help. Um, but in this time right now, I, he's going to have to hold an L for me because of him just constantly being a repeat offender, man. Every, he always builds us back up. You know, he goes in and, and you know, he, he defends his title. And, uh, he, you know, he shows that he's clean. He's got his, you know, scripture tattooed on his body. You know, he, he – Was it Philippians 4.13? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he does his little preachy-ish. He does his little preachy-ish at the, after he wins his fight. You know, it's cute. It's fine. But I've lost – I've gradually, like I said, I've gradually started to, like, kind of pull my fan card from him. I've really started to lose a lot of respect over the last couple of years. Uh, and then the, the shitty fight, and then on top of the shitty fight, this happens. It's just uh, I'm I'm really kind of almost too far gone on my fandom of him now. Um, and I hate to say that because I still love what he does. Like I said, in the octagon, he's still, if not the best we've ever seen. Uh, and he's still a young guy. He still has a lot to go. But he has so much to fix with not only the fans of his, but just his reputation as an individual, man. Um, my buddy, John Jones. But you're going to have to do me a favor here, man, and hold this L. So it's yeah, that's that's hard to read. It's hard to see that. I think there's some dash footage too of him, you know, intoxicated and, and yelling and hooting, and hollering, and everything with and having a fire on top of on top of it all. In the time that we're having dealing with all this stuff right now, and then on top of that, you got John Jones acting a fool once again. It's like this is not the time to be doing that, man. And yeah. just as an individual, just fix yourself, bud. Please, we us as fans. <laughs> I want you to be back to normal. I got some. Up, I got. Is. I got a couple uplifting L's. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these are good losses. These are yeah. Hold these good L's. These these are L's you're gonna like, um, <laughs> uh, especially in <laughs> Kansas City. Uh, I'm gonna do two in in honor of our guy Eddie Ortiz, who again had to miss uh, another show this week. Get uh, get everything uh, situated for us, for us guy, and we get get back here as soon as you yeah. can. We miss you. We love you and your family, man. Um, well, I'm gonna start with this one um, real quick. Who is the Raiders GM? Mike uh, Mayock, correct? Mayock. Oh, yeah. Correct, like, yeah I, as yeah. I recollect. Ma- who? Wh- what was Mike Mayock doing before he took <laughs> over the position for the Raiders a year ago? He was, a he was an NFL TV Network analyst, analyst yep. for draft in draft particular. Analyst, yeah. Do you know who was at the top of Mayock's 2015 draft board? I do not. Marcus Mariota. Mm. Do you know who Mike Mayock, the Mike Mayock-led Raiders just signed? Marcus Mariota. Derek Carr is 1,000% losing his job. Hmm. It is only a matter of time. How do I know that? Well, everything I just stated above. Mike Mayak, Mike Mayak is clearly in love with Marcus Mariota. John Gruden obviously is a fan of his. Otherwise, he wouldn't have signed off on this. And everybody looks at the naked numbers of his deal, which is a two-year, $18 million deal. Unless I'm With incentives. With incentives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The incentives. The incentives. Part, yeah. Is what you need to be paying attention to. I think it's the Buku bucks. It's man. almost in total. If he actually reaches all of his incentives, it's almost fifty million dollars. Starter money. The Raiders are not even a, a franchise as stupid as the Raiders are not going to sign a backup quarterback with those types of incentives well, unless they had any anticipation that he could actually reach said incentives. Marcus Mariota will be twenty six this next season. Mm-hmm. Two years younger, three years younger actually than Derek Carr. Derek Carr is in no way, shape, or form a franchise-changing quarterback, and neither is Marcus Mariota. But see, when you have a GM in place that loves a player, the rose-colored glasses are on, baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you— I can respect that, though. He stuck to his gun. Yes, and with Las Vegas and, and everything that's happening, yeah. they're going to want fresh blood. They're going to want something new. And Marcus Mariota, although, again, is not a franchise-changer, Mike Mayock, yes, Mike Mayock believes yep. in him. Yep. And I think— I know 
Derek Carr's days are numbered as a Raider. The Raiders are almost looking for a reason to part with Derek Carr. That's great. And they found their reason. Hoobastank style. <laughs> Finally found the reason for me. I'm telling you, it's over. We can play the song. It's good. It's it, this. This goes out to Derek Carr. It's not Wonderwall. <laughs> Hoobastank. And I'm telling you, Man. it's over. So my guy. Mr. Derek Carr, Mr. Blocks everybody on Twitter, fuck you. Mr. Go I ahead and do himself. me a favor and hold this L, motherfucker. Now, in honor of our guy Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo 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 himself. Oh, that was that was yours then. That was mine. Gotcha. I'm claiming the Raider one. Gotcha. I got Raider guy, but this one actually might be better. Hmm. It's actually it, this one pisses me off. So it is kind of a downer to me, but it's gonna be good for everybody else because I'm about to go off. <laughs> I almost always despise opinion based lists. I oh I absolutely look me in the camera right now. People in the camera, look at me. I absolutely despise the ESPN quote greatest college basketball player of all time opinion based list. This thing is terrible, dude. It's 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 horrible. Not just because they're bracketing men basketball players against women basketball players, which has zero basis of fact, being completely unrealistic because they never played each other and they never will play each other. So you can't do it. You can't compare them. That's a non-starter. But also, the players advancing are laughable at best. They're literally using this thing as like a like a March Madness bracket. Mm-hmm. And I get it because of the things, the way things are. Poor they want to do some sort of simulation. Mm-hmm. I'm not hating on that. But these, this is so bad. I'm not going to go down the entire list. But I'll give you the one that just absolutely it was so appalling and so absurd. Zion Williamson over Danny Manning? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Are, yeah. For real. Are, you guys have got to be What in the literal fuck? Yeah. Zion not only played one season in college, he didn't even play the entire season. Dude missed five games. And in those games, the Dukies had a winning record. He didn't win shit. R.J. Barrett was the third overall pick. Here I am, dropping my phone. R.J. Barrett was the third overall pick in that draft and was actually the higher-rated player out of high school. Yeah, that's that's embarrassing. Danny Manning not only played in 114 more games in his college career than Zion, he led the 1988 Jayhawks to a national championship that earned Miracles, him man. and his team the name Danny and the Miracles. Do you know why they were called Danny and the Miracles? Because no one could fucking name any other player on the team not named Danny Manning and therefore made it a goddamn miracle they won. Fuck. I I don't get it. How did this happen? I got Michael Wilpon trying to tell me that it's my generation that caused this, but yet there were several people on the show that said they voted for that. They were in their 50s. So spare me that, Wilpon. Take your own medicine and shut up. Regardless, man, this list was terrible, and it's only getting worse. I can't wait to find out what happens next week when Carmelo Anthony somehow loses to the next guy who played 15 games in his college career. Carmelo Anthony, who's maybe the single greatest freshman player we've ever seen. Unbelievable. It's simply unbelievable. That's all I have to say. Yeah. It's unacceptable. So really. this pseudo bullshit bracket that you guys created just to fill content, do me a favor, ESPN, and your stupid ass bracket, and hold this L. It's a product of boredom, man. That's all that is. Oh yeah. my god, that yeah, was that, so bad. I didn't even know that that was uh that it's was the actually thing. the rating there. I didn't know he was over <sighs> Danny Manning. 
Like I, I never agree with well, like guys like Seth. Fan, you, you, that's, that hits home. As it well. hits home because we know what he was and what he did. <laughs> How much he means to like, the, the is, is Zion Williamson more talented than what Danny? Went? Yes, I believe that. Uh, well, I believe he's more talented. Definitely. Zion's one of the more talented players I've ever seen. He played sure. in thirty-three games. Right. Danny Manning played in almost a hundred more games. Did Danny than Manning that. ever blow through one of his shoes though, because he's so strong. <laughs> no. So I don't know. Man. Fair enough. <laughs> that's why he got the shoe deal. Yeah. <laughs> Look, guys. Um. This was an absolute fun episode. As I always say that at the end, because it, it, we always have fun here. It, it's there's no question we always have yeah. fun here. That's why we do this, and that's the point. That's why we're going to keep doing this because we want it to be fun for you guys too. We always appreciate, sincerely appreciate, when we hear back from you guys and you let us know that you appreciate this show and that you like being a part of it. When I run into people that I know personally or have never met before that talk to me about this show, that's what keeps me motivated, especially in times like this. Trust me when I say we're not just doing the show for you guys; we're doing this for us. Because we're people just like you, and this is something we love doing, and this is something we love talking about. It gets my mind off of it. it keeps I'm us, yeah, it keeps us sane. Yeah, my morale right now, man, the way I'm feeling right now, I feel great. I, I feel like the world is at a great place right now, even though I know it's really not. And I don't know where it's going. Like I was telling Gat before the show, I honestly, if, if I had to, to to put it all in a in a nutshell, I feel like I'm in a room that's just full of fog. I have no idea where I'm at in the room and where I'm going. I'm just being totally transparent. It really does suck. I hate that we don't have sports right now. I'd give anything to have sports. But like I said in my opening monologue, I stick with it. You got to do your part, guys, in society. Help us out. I can honestly say that Trevor and I, and Gat as well, we're doing our part. We're isolating. We're staying clear. We're being safe. We're being responsible. That's how you. That's how you bring the curve down. I am no scientist. I am no medical professional. I never will claim to be, but I have where I do work in the medical field and I do see the realities of this situation and ignoring this and pretending it isn't as big of a deal as we, as we, a lot of people are trying to say it is, is the opposite of how we get our normalcy back. You want your normalcy. You want to turn on your TV and watch basketball. You want to get, turn your TV on and watch football and watch the draft with thousands of fans out there screaming and cheering as their team or booing like the Jets fans do, no matter who they take, you want to see those Jets fans again. Got to do your part, guys. Yep. It's really that simple. We have the easy job. We are we are not the ones on the front lines. And if you are, if you're a listener and you're on the front lines of this thing, and you're a medical professional and you're out there doing what you need to do, or a FedEx driver, you're the heroes. You guys are the absolute heroes, man. Everybody that's out there that's taking care of this 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 pandemic, yep. you are the heroes. So I want to thank you guys. If any of you are out there that are listening that are a part of that, thank you so much for what you do. We cannot thank you enough. It's up to us, man. And I want to thank all the listeners. Once again, for being a part of this, for helping us, for keeping us motivated, keeping us driven and and, and in a place where we feel like we can continue to give you guys something you want to listen to. So that's it. I really do appreciate you guys. For Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, who's not here, but will be here soon, we promise. For Gat, for Clay Windler, for everybody that keeps this thing afloat, we want to thank you for episode 57. I am Lance Twidwell here inside the Twidwell Studios. The Spoken Podcast is out. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably been hearing a lot about the stock market lately. Millions of people are beginning to invest for the first time ever, and we're realizing that the financial system should be built to work for us. 
That's why Robinhood is creating real human education resources, truly digestible financial news, and a platform that lets you invest in your own way, on your own terms. The next generation of investors is already here, and it includes you. Robinhood. Investing is risky. Robinhood Financial, LLC. Es mejor llegar tarde a casa que nunca volver a llegar. Es mejor llegar tarde al trabajo que nunca volver a trabajar. Y es mejor recoger tarde a tus hijos que nunca volver a recogerlos. Llegar tarde a donde vayas por esperar a que pase el tren es mucho mejor que arriesgar tu vida tratando de ganarle el paso. Por algo existe el dicho, más vale tarde que nunca. Alto, el tren no para. Mensaje de Netzer. 